Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I am both one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this weekly radio program and the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. Uh, and I'll be honest with all of our viewers and listeners, I'm running a little bit late, so we're probably going to take some things out of order here. Um, We've got a special guest joining us via Zoom this morning. We're going to talk about all things storm and weather and traffic related when we get to that segment. Thank you again for tuning in. Lieutenant, you didn't remind me last week. We need to remember to date stamp these episodes. So today is Friday, December 18th, 2020. I want to put that out there because I am 100% certain there will not be a new episode next week which will be Friday, December 25th, Christmas Day. I don't know about you, Lieutenant, but I'm not planning on doing a show. I don't think that would go over too well. No, no. not for any of us. No. <laughs> so for our regular viewers and listeners, do not plan on a new episode next week. We will uh, we'll ask PCTV and WTVR to take something from the archives and, and loop it back in. Maybe a, an episode, a humorous episode with Officer Derby. Yeah, yes, definitely. All right, so before we talk about a couple news where the items and then get Director Moreas uh, on, on so he can talk about storm cleanup and the new rules, I just I want to make a couple of personal observations. The first one is it doesn't matter how early I get up and how early I leave the house to get to the studio. Something is always going to occur between home and here to make me walk in at one minute of. <laughs> I left like 10 minutes before my normal departure time. I felt really good about getting here. Didn't matter. Yeah. Traffic's horrible. Yeah. Right. People not obeying the traffic rules. And then, of course, I'm like, do I stop this person? But then I'll be even later. So were, were people going too fast or too slow? or no, just not paying attention in the yeah. wrong lanes, not seeing the traffic signals, <laughs> or, whatever. The lines of sight are, are bad at some of the intersections because the snowbanks are still there. So it's, it's just, yeah. it doesn't matter, right? I was like, I'm early and I'm not. The other personal observation is this. I was writing in my journal this morning and I put right at the top of the page, worst vacation ever. In the last two weeks, I've actually been booked out you know, for four days off and I have worked all four of my booked out days off. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We talked about a lot of the benefits that we've gotten from technology because of this year. Yep. But switching meetings to Zoom pretty yeah. much means there's no boundaries. Yeah. We know you're on a day off, but you can join us via Zoom. Nobody cares. Yeah. So worst vacation ever. Yeah. I, I, I right. feel for you. Two quick news hits. I'm going to start with the negative. If you're not paying attention, we had a massive snowstorm. So that's newsworthy. The cleanup continues. And then go to the positive. First vaccines administered at Berkshire Health Systems facilities yesterday. And that's all I'm going to say about the news for this cycle. Snow is past. Vaccine is forthcoming. It's hopeful. Well, the, um, the snow is only negative for some people. That's true. They're, some people love it. So I, I was on social media. I drove by Basque on my way to and from the dojo because nobody showed up for class last night. Last night They're not open yet, but I was on uh, social media. Jiminy's rocking, Catamount's rocking, so stand by for Basque. Yeah. All right, enough of that. Good morning, Director. Good morning. How are you? 
well uh, as best as I can describe. Uh, you you just you just uh, characterize my next week. I'm taking next week off, and I already scheduled multiple meetings throughout the uh, uh, many of the days. So uh, yes, in this Zoom world, you're right. We we have to uh, <laughs> be be careful with the boundaries, and I'm I'm sure a lot of us are awful at that. Yeah, and even if we try to be good at it, some people don't care, right? So, <laughs> like, um, but enough woe is me of our, our, you know, department head pity party. Um, so I had a bunch of questions that I wanted to ask you, and I reframed all the questions on the ride over here because some of the questions started with, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll say by way of introduction, I was so excited when you announced the alternate side parking plan because that's something the department's advocated for for most of my career, and we were always told, no, it won't work here. Um, and then I was a little disappointed to find out how many cars got towed despite the new parking plan yeah. because it was there was plenty of announcement. And then I left my house this morning, and I know because I get you know social media and Code Red and the press releases, I know that you put timely announcements out about trash collection, and 80% of the houses in my neighborhood had their trash out today, and it's not getting picked up. So all my questions got reframed because obviously people don't pay attention. They're not listening. Um, and that's, so, that's, the tough, that's the tough thing to crack, right? It's getting the message out, yeah. and that's the first part, is, and then it's, Receiving the message is, is, is what's being tough uh, on, uh, on us and, and getting that communication across. So uh, I'll say that, you know, we did tow several uh, vehicles. We ended up towing vehicles. But what we, our approach was one uh, where we had started the winter, uh, the, the snow emergency before snow was on the ground. Uh, that does a few things. People don't have that urgency that there's no snow on the ground. I don't need to do anything. Um, and then, but it also provides uh, us ample time to start the enforcement. Exactly. And the way we started the enforcement without snow uh, on the ground, the way we started that was with assistance from the PPD, we went, uh, selected the vehicles and where, wherever they were parking in the wrong side, we uh, we were able to knock on their doors, uh, turn on the lights, ask them to to please move their vehicle, and we had also uh, almost an an equal amount of vehicles uh, move either to the driveways or or to the the even side of the street, which was the one uh, the right side at, at that moment. And I'll that's always preferable. That there were many vehicles that were able to be moved to the driveways. This is not like, you know, we, we talk about get, providing parking for people that don't have uh, a space to park their vehicle. Um, that's the case for a lot of people, but not everyone. And, and certainly we have to, we have to, uh, we have to do better as a community to start parking, you know, so outside of the road. So certainly, you know, you and I haven't had this conversation, but this is a conversation I've had for many years with your predecessors. We, we have to acknowledge that in some of our more dense urban neighborhoods, off-street parking is, is very, very limited. But 
we generally get more cooperation when we're doing education prior to enforcement in in those neighborhoods. It's the less dense neighborhoods that have ample off-street parking and driveways that we end up doing a lot of enforcement activity. It's not that they can't. It's in many cases that they won't. Um, so I know that you're, you, you follow some lo- a lot of social, local social media, and I don't want to embarrass this person by calling them out by name, but I have a friend, a kind of a local celebrity. He lives downtown, and uh, he didn't get the message. And he posted a picture of his car parked in a North Street parking spot um, in one of the new spots, right? And, and it got plowed in from both directions. And, you know, he's my friend, but between you and I, I didn't feel bad about it. Right? I mean, this, this is a person who is well plugged in and technologically um, proficient. They, they should have gotten the message through multiple channels, and they didn't. Um, I feel bad that it took four people to dig his car out. But, uh, yeah, it, you know, if, if you don't have to park on the street during a snow, you know, just don't park on the street during a snow emergency. Absolutely. That's the um, message. Is it's it's find a, find a place to park off street. Right. And uh, I know who you're talking about, and it's unfortunate that it happened, definitely. But uh, um, it was a funny picture. I think he took it lightly and, and, and had a chuckle on or two about it, too. So. It was a funny picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's. Talk talk a little bit specifically about the actual um, change to the parking regulations because this is this is new for all of us. Right. So the uh, council approved the. There's two things that we need to talk about here. One is the new regulations that are in place that were in place in this last storm, and that starts with the. Um, it, it's under a snow emergency regulation. So per storm event, uh, my office has the power to issue a snow emergency for the purposes of having people uh, park their vehicles off the street in the event they don't have the space. And that's very important, as we talked already. And in the event they don't have a place to park off street, then you have to follow the alternate side parking regulation. And the way that works is... um, when that snow emergency starts dictates which side of the street you're going to park first and in this in this case uh we we had the even side of the street go first and that's how we communicated through social media press release code red message to uh got to about uh it was sent the message was sent to about twenty-eight thousand people um it, it made a lot of connection i think we had a 60 Eight percent connection rate. Um, so that's very, very good. So, uh, so just to be clear, when when you say odd and even, basically what we're saying is that at at the time of the event, the date, right, the the number of the date, whether that's an odd or even number, corresponds to the side of the street that's going to be permitted. That's right. right so. And the uh, and it dictates the the starting side where you're going to park. When, when the snow emergency starts, we'll issue the notification um, and it, it'll, according to the ordinance, it has to start, the snow emergency has to start either at 7 a.m. or at 7 p.m. And that's important to, to dictate the switchover if one is needed, right. uh, to switch over to the other side after 24 hours. And 
And so if if the event, if the snow emergency is started at 7 a.m. or p.m. on an even day, you're going to park for the next 24 hours on the street if you don't have an off-street parking on the even side of the street, right. wherever there's, you know, the even number of houses or properties. Um, <clears throat> for those that uh, we did got, get questions, which one is the even side of the street? Um, you know, some some people maybe not get that uh, wired in. It, we all live with that all every day. We know that, but we have to. We can't make assumptions, so we, we should also explain what that is. And then the second part is the what still um, has to go to council. It just went through the traffic commission, and that is the uh, elimination of the blanket. The the blanket parking ban overnight for the winter months okay so technically that is still in place we have decided to uh collectively not uh enforce that as we we really don't enforce it when whenever there's, there's no snow right now we're enforcing it through the snow emergency when there's a snow event so this portion of the ordinance that is in the process of being eliminated Right now, it's uh, it's just not being enforced. So we'll we'll rescind the blanket parking ban between November and whatever March, um, and it'll be done on an event by event basis. But based on what we saw this time, the event, the city's event, will probably precede the actual onset of the event. Right, you know, so yes, like, that's the idea. So it we gives you more like time to, to prepare. About a four hour. It gives you more time to prepare. Correct, right. and 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 I think it not only provides the time to prepare, it also gives people the chance. If we're out there like we did this past storm, we went like I said door to door and and wherever there was someone on the wrong side, and asked them, and and, and we had you know. I think somewhere between 15 and 20 vehicles that were uh, moved out of the out of the wrong way. So I think that a lot of people, particularly, I mean, people who have lived here their entire lives and they're used to this. I think that people believe that we enforce the the snow emergency or the snow ordinances, and the, and there's some mechanism like it's a revenue generator, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. It, I don't care how many tickets we have to write or how many cars we have to tow. That never offset. Well, we don't get any revenue from the toes, obviously, and the tickets never offset the cost that we have if we have to call people in or put a, provide you with a detail. It's 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 not about the money. It's about getting the roads clear enough that your plow operators can plow unimpeded. Right. It, so the, the the two things that went into. Uh, in the thought process, and, and you know this, and you mentioned it already, it's the uh, the being providing an equitable means of parking for people in the, especially in the densely packed, densely populated neighborhoods of our city. And also, uh, in doing that, we are organizing the way people are parking, and that makes our work in the highway department uh, much more efficient. Uh, we're not weaving through traffic through parked cars. So, and that, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'll say that this 
this was this past storm put this to the test and and this was no no small storm of course we had 18 inches with snow drift reaching 20 22 inches um it's it, it definitely put it to the test and uh we were successful in a lot of places we did have a few things that we want to revisit and and see how we tackle it so this this alternate side parking it, this isn't a concept that you created that came out of whole fabric this has been a very common thing particularly in larger cities for a long time i know albany has it i'm pretty sure boston has it i think new york city has it and you know for people who have been here their whole lives and this is brand new and nobody likes change and the concept of this is so you declare a snow emergency we can go out and we can do some education we can get some cars moved but for people who do not have access to off-street parking they're permitted to park on one side of the street that gives your crews an entire day to clear the other side of the street it, it entirely clear that side of the street and then at the shift if there is an overnight shift vehicles can move to the other side of the street and that gives your crews an entire day to now clear the other side of the street right as opposed to what we've seen for my entire career where a plow operator goes out in one of our more urban neighborhoods we've been unsuccessful in getting a couple of cars several cars moved we put a ticket on them maybe you know we we make the decision not to tow them and then the plow operator plows around the car plows the car into the snowbank and in many cases, that car may not get dug out for several days. And so that street won't be properly plowed. Correct. Um, Lieutenant, have you ever worked the, the snowstorm ticket and tow detail? No, not, not specifically that. Um, I, I've it, been working overnights when we've had to assist. When I was a patrol officer, I got assigned to that detail a couple times. It's horrific. I, I don't think I've ever come more, I, I don't think I've ever come more close to more fist fights than I did on that detail. It's ter it's horrific. Yeah. Right? Pe oh, people get so angry. And I don't I don't blame them, but you know, we have a job to do and you know the plow crews have a job to do and the tow truck operators have a job to do and we would prefer not to ticket or tow, but you know, there's one solution to that. Don't park on the street during a snow emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Chief, I, I think We've, with this with this new ordinance and, and regulation, we, we have made it a little bit more, a little bit easier for the, the uh, PPD and, and our crews uh, to have that conversation. It's not, now it's not, get it out of there. Right. Where no. am I gonna park? I don't know, get it out of there. I think we've made it easier for everybody. It would, yeah. I think, you know, definitely for our personnel and your personnel, but for the public as well, because now they have an alternative. They right. don't have to fight with us about it. Just move to the other side of the street. We'll move it back tomorrow. Um, so I have another question, and this isn't specifically your your team and your crew, but you're you're involved in all of this. So I was out and about. Um, what's today? Friday. So I was out and about Wednesday, visiting some of our city offices. We'll talk about that trip a little bit later. Uh, and we decided while we were transiting back and forth between 100 North and and City Hall that we would go visit our friends over at MyCom, and. I real I I noticed, and I'm pretty sure that we called this correctly. It looked like a lot of the downtown sidewalks, particularly the sidewalks surrounding City Hall, were pre-treated. And I'm not aware that we've done that in the past. Is this something that Highway and, and Building Maintenance is is experimenting with or adding, or did I just miss it? <laughs> we we certainly did not go out to pre-treat the sidewalks. Okay, 
So somebody just spilled something all over the place. <laughs> yeah, we did it on, we, you know, we do it on our buildings. Um, that that would not be true for, for the sidewalks throughout throughout the city. No, it just looked like the area oh, no, no. between 100 North and PPD and City Hall had, had gotten some special attention. So that that may have been our crews okay. or either our crews or building maintenance. I thought you were talking more towards the the businesses in throughout the throughout the downtown. So, um, what else should our our listeners and viewers know about you know winter planning and and pre planning and snow emergencies as we go into this this heavy winter well, time so, of year? Uh, it, we're trying to get message the message out, and one of the things we're doing is we're, we we developed this brochure called when it snows in Pittsfield. And it has uh, frequently asked questions. It has some tips for uh, how to, how to uh, uh, shovel properly, you know, not to strain your back. Uh, it has some uh, information about the parking regulations, the new parking regulations. Um, and I think it, this is available on the city website. And it's a, it's a quick read through the process, it, it talks about how how we make the decision to call a snow emergency, especially now that we are relying on that for the alternate site parking. Um, and you know, a lot of a lot of work went into putting this together, and, and it's it's a good tool to uh, have out there. We're going to print it out and have it available. Printouts on on the on the Perchathenium on. Uh, City Hall, our offices, of course, when everything starts opening. So this may not be uh, a good tool for this winter, but maybe for the following in printout version. But it's currently available on the city's website? It is currently available on the city's website. And your team put this together, and, and you are one of our leaders and advocates for this, so I'm willing to bet that it's available in English and Spanish? <laughs> We're working on the Spanish version. That's uh, that's something that all of our departments are, are working at getting better at is getting these things out in multiple languages. Yeah. Um, you just reminded me. Oh, so, yeah, th I think this is important for our listeners and viewers to know. This has been a personal frustration of of mine for many years. And I don't I don't think even many of our fellow city coworkers know this. So the decision to declare a snow emergency is your decision, right? That, yes. That, I mean, we consult, and it's something that occasionally I'll I'll be involved in, or the mayor may, you know, be involved in the timing. But that re the authority rests with you as the commissioner. So for our listeners or viewers at home, you know, don't send a message or a DM on social media asking me to declare a snow emergency. That's that that one's not mine. <laughs> so I'll speak a little bit about that, and and I want to make the distinction. There's. Uh, all there says levels of an emergency, okay. different levels to an emergency. So the snow emergency, um, especially now with with how we're treating it for parking regulation and alternate site parking, is of a uh, the nature that we are we need this to uh, do a better work at plowing our cities and have the roads open um, in the event that we have a uh, a blizzard, call it. And there's uh, more than just issues with more than just plowing the roads. Okay. That is a different 
declaration of an emergency. Great. That's that a declared state happen. of an emergency. That's that's a political decision that involves the activation right. of emergency management and right. you know standing up an EOC. It, that's a completely different animal. Correct. That's, that's and, and and it also carries the the uh, uh, correct you know paperwork to submit to the state right. uh, to request. Uh, some level of assistance with funding and all that. And uh, additional so, resources. Right. Those are, you know, so thank, thankfully there's some wood in here somewhere. You know, that's not something that the city of Pittsfield has, has had to deal with, with um, snow-related, weather-related emergency recently, but it was only a couple of years ago that we had a massive ice storm up in the hill towns um, that actually resulted in a National Guard activation. And that impacted us because several of our members, both police and firefighters, uh, left for several days to, to go, you know, clear trees and, and you know, help clear roads and, right. and affect rescues. Those are, those are massive emergency declarations. We're more used to seeing those for summer-type storms, you know, hurricane-type stuff or tornado-type stuff. But the possibility always does exist for any natural disaster or other civil disorder. Yeah, I think that the Berkshire Eagle has a great uh, recollection of snippets of uh, history in their recent uh, paper, uh, re I think a day or two ago, just before the storm, they had a recount of the biggest storms in the in the county. Um, it was an interesting read. Of course, not having uh, lived here um, through the, through those years. I found it very interesting to read and, and, and enlightening. You, shared, and, uh, an, you yeah. shared an interesting story with us in our department head meeting yesterday about one of those blizzards and, and the right. extreme actions that were taken in response. Can you share that with our listeners and viewers? Absolutely. Uh, the, the nor'easter of, of 1934, I remember reading this last year um, and then again this year. It was uh, very interesting. Um, it was uh, very similar uh, to the storm we just had in terms of the accumulation of snow, about 18 inches. Um, it happened, however, in uh, over two days. Uh, so that's very uh, a very distinct difference because the snowfall rate is very, it's crucial to our upkeep. upkeep. And uh, 18 inches in, a, in, in two days, the, it says, the article says, the mayor and the city council went out to the street, took a shovel at hand and started snow plowing after accusing the DPW to fall for falling asleep during the worst part of the storm. And uh, and that's that's all it says. Uh, it was quite interesting and funny to read that. And I'll just share that my response to hearing that story was I put out a challenge to the mayor to climb up into a wing plow truck and, and you know go out there and Commissioner Morales to his credit she's not properly licensed at credentials so she's not going to get to drive one of his trucks so we might have to find a big parking lot somewhere to make that happen yeah all right so ricardo we've got about two minutes left before we go to a station identification and a break uh what are your plans for the holiday well you know uh we're gonna stay at our house have some uh fun with the kids Two and a, th uh, a three-year-old and a six-year-old, so it's very, Sorry. very fun right now. Uh, those, and that's 
that's about it. Those are great ages for a white Christmas. So there's a lot of magic that occurs with young children when you've got plenty of snow and you're in the holiday week. Yeah. So enjoy that. <clears throat> well, we're coming up on uh, 29, 29 minutes after the hour. Ricardo, I thank you for joining us this morning. I'm going to let you go while we go do a break and get some station identification and some PSAs and another check of the weather. And I'll see you in about half an hour in a task force meeting. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us and updating us on the new snow regulations. Have a great day. You too. Lieutenant. Chief. Let's uh, let's take an early break here and, and cut to our station identification. Thanks for joining us this morning for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD. We'll be back shortly with the second half of the show. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, partly sunny this morning, then clearing. Cold with highs in the mid-20s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear. Colder with lows around 5 above. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Wind chill values as low as 5 below. Saturday, mostly sunny. Cold with highs in the lower 30s. West wind around 5 miles per hour, becoming southwest around 5 miles per hour in the afternoon. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hello, my name is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. As you know, decisions we make every day can affect us for the rest of our lives. What you may not realize is that you are 23% more likely to be involved in a collision while you are texting and driving. That means texting and driving makes you 23 times more likely to cause a crash. Every day in the United States, nine people are killed and more than 1,000 are injured as a result of a crash caused by a distracted driver. Remember, put down the phone and arrive alive. Don't text and drive. This message is brought to you by the Pittsburgh Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union. Proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at Greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. God. We're good, Lieutenant. We are We're good. We're back. Back in action. So we didn't get to uh, chit-chat and explain pleasantries before we got on the air because I, I was hustling to get in here and get plugged in. How are you today? Doing well. Um, a, a, little, a little fuzzy. I haven't had my coffee yet. Oh, <laughs> that but, is uh, not good. But uh, Not good. I just, uh, I just have to put it off a little bit. And um, I... Uh, you know, I had the first half hour of the show just to kind of settle in and, and let you and Ricardo go back and forth. So here we go. So I'll, I'll share this as a little, you know, just a personal note. Um, we talked a little bit about some of the stuff that as a result of either 
changes in lifestyle or stress, you know, and try to maintain fitness and, and change different nutrition stuff. And so one of the things that I had been experimenting with off and on, not, not with, you know, religious diligence is kind of intermittent fasting or, or pushing like the consumption of my first meal off later in the day. Um, and I, I've had some success with that, but one of the things that I had been doing for, um, a while now, particularly on days that I train in the morning, was swapping out a, a regular like egg, you know, egg omelet, like you know, egg white omelet, um, which was was I was having some problems with, I, you know, getting out the door to get to the gym if I had a full breakfast. Was just putting um, uh, a, a basic, no, it's not a, it's not a meal replacement, essentially a protein powder, a you know, company that I buy my supplements from, putting a half a scoop of protein powder in my coffee. And um, and just kind of getting a little bit of a caloric boost there before I go train. So I've been doing that on weekends for a while, and it it works. It settles my stomach. Um, but last week I I was just lethargic going into midday, and I was like, you know, maybe I'll I'll change that and um, and do it on a more frequent basis. But it's it's just protein, right? It's it's purely protein calories and I was worried about the balance so this week I started experiment I always put a couple teaspoons of MCT oil in my coffee so this week I started adding a half a spoon of the protein powder and a or half a scoop of the protein powder and half a teaspoon of honey just to get a little bit of carbs to kind of balance that out I'm loving it it tastes like a mocha latte <laughs> I, I'm not getting that like lethargy mid-morning uh, feel you know I'm not craving lunch when it comes to lunchtime i'm eating lunch and a better lunch because i'm not famished by that time of day getting more stuff done earlier in the day i'm so i'm only a few days into it but you know pretty happy with that change i've, I've played around with, with the intermittent fasting a little bit as well the the thing it energy wise i'm i'm pretty good you know sometimes you know based on the uh, the busyness of the day, I would put lunch off till, you know, two o'clock, even later anyway. So I um it and not having a breakfast, depending on the day, I, I it's okay. The the thing two two challenges. Black coffee, which I just I, I can do it. You know, I used to not be able to do it at all. You know, and so I tried doing it a little bit just not to get that that you know that sugar early in the morning because i like to put some creamer and and but it's that's a little bit of a struggle and then i find myself if i start later in the day then 10 o'clock at night i'm ready for another meal another meal you know <laughs> second dinner <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's i was i was listening to a podcast last night and uh i listened to these guys uh you've heard, i've talked about it on the program before uh commander jocko willink uh, who's uh author and motivational speaker uh, leadership consultant and his producer uh echo charles and other both of them are jiu-jitsu practitioners i've had the opportunity to meet them i was actually on the mats when echo got his black belt two summers ago in maine uh and so they were talking about their 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 schedule and their workout schedule and their and their eating and these guys have been working together for a number of years and echo was like yeah you know dinner and then late dinner and Jocko was like, what? Late? Like they've been working and he didn't know this. So apparently, you know, because Echo starts his day later and he trains later in the day. He has dinner with his family 
And then he has a second dinner at like 8 or 9 o'clock at night while he's getting ready because he does a lot of work late at night. Um, and so his, his training partner was like, what do you mean second dinner? Like he was shocked at, about this thing. It reminded me of, um, you a Tolkien fan? You read The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings? No. And I can't remember. It's, I think it's um, Bilbo Baggins. He talks about second breakfast. that meal between breakfast and lunch is second breakfast Um, so we don't have Dr. Kohlberg or anybody from the health department with us today and I don't have all of my notes in front of me so I'm not gonna I don't want anybody to like say the chief said definitively I just I want to share with you that we had a a department head meeting yesterday Um, the department head meeting started with a public health update from uh, Director Armstrong Gina Armstrong and public health nurse uh, Kayla Donnelly Winters and they we were a little late getting the meeting started because they were waiting for case updates and the news was not good um you know we were uh Commissioner Moraes showed us the um the city's dashboard and we were looking and the case counts had been on a on a nice downward trend for several days uh and then the the reports came in from the um from our health partners and we don't know if the reports the number coming in were due to a delay in reporting uh an increase in testing the new stop to spread sites but the increase was significant um big big positive number for a one-day period and i share that you know you can check the city's website and the city's dashboard uh, the covid19 dashboard it should all be updated today because we were talking about this at 10 o'clock yesterday morning uh, but you're going to see an uptick, uh, a, a case uptick, and it's particularly going into this week. I know what the tendency is. I'm not going to call anybody out by name or location, but people I know, uh, I was talking to them when we were cleaning up ye- the snow yesterday, and they said, oh, you know, we've got people coming in to visit. And I just looked at them and shook my head. Um, now is not the time. I get it, right? This is a time of year when we all want to be with our extended family, we all want to be with our loved ones. I have a tradition that my wife and I enjoy. On Christmas Eve, we go visit uh, my cousin and her family, and their whole extended family is there. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. We're not going to do it this year. Um, the vi- the vaccine is here. That's great news. Uh, it's starting to be administered, but it's not going to be widely available before the end of the year. We know the things that we have to do to protect ourselves and protect our families and to protect our our fellow citizens, and that is stay within your family social group or your bubble or your pod, mask use when you're outside of your home, social distancing all the time, wash your hands frequently, sanitize if you can't wash. Um, It's We have to be vigilant. Now is not the time to let our guard down. I would hate to be back to work and in another department head meeting or in a task force meeting the week after next following the Christmas holiday and the New Year's holiday and find out that we have another massive outbreak somewhere because of Christmas gatherings. Um, It's very real. It's, It's frightening. The case numbers are staggering and we have got to stay disciplined and vigilant. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's different times. It's, it's depressing. Just, yeah, I get it. We'll get through it. 
so let's change gears here and talk about some fun stuff that has been happening in the last couple of weeks in and around the PPD. So where do I want to start? Let's start with the First Responder Children's Foundation, because that is a fascinating story. Um, so I, th did we talk about it last week? A little I, bit? Yeah, we did a little bit. Yeah. But things have changed since we talked about it last week. So it's been an evolving. Um, it's still evolving. Yeah, it's still evolving. Um, and I, I'm going to we're going to talk about this and I'm going to finish with a story from my past that uh, weighs heavy on my heart. And I'm, I think that, you know, we have a solution in place this year. Um, so. The First Responder Children's Foundation is an organization that we don't have a lot of history with here in the city of Pittsfield. Um, and, and I became aware, we became aware of them because we have a friend, a colleague, used to be local law enforcement here in the county, uh, subsequently moved on and is now a super, senior supervisor with the uh, CSX police. Right. So, you know, people don't understand Amtrak and CSX. They have their own police forces. Some of them go to the academy with our personnel. I've trained a couple. I had an Amtrak officer in my class and I've trained a couple uh, when I was at the academy. But in any case, uh, she she was with CSX or she's with CSX and the First Responder Children's Foundation reached out for CSX and they were looking for departments to partner with and to work with. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to provide some Christmas gifts, some toys, particularly to the children of first responders. But when she, her, so her name is uh, Nicole, Nick. So when Nick reached out for me, she said, you know, I know the work that you do in the community when Officer Derby is his role as a safety officer, does in the community through community outreach and community engagement. I want you, I want to give you the opportunity to participate in this program. So contacted them, um, looped you in, looped Darren in, uh, and then, you know, Mrs. Gregory Bellotta in my office, so we had points of contact, and we went back and forth, and we were permitted to not only ask for gifts for children of our personnel, but at our request, we were asked to, we were permitted to ask for gifts that we could share with the community. And so, we, you know, we put a number down, and it was like, okay, you know, between the department and, and the community, let's say 100 kids. And so we put a number down, and they came back, and the first communication was that they were going to be, with no notice, they were going to be dropping toys off, like, that evening. And so we, you know, we had to hustle. And then they said, oh, no, it's going to be tomorrow. Uh, so we, we rescheduled. And then I don't even think I had, I had been off, and Darren had just left. And so he sends out a text, and he's like, I got a call back to the station. They showed up, and we were supposed to get one pallet, and they dropped off I'm on three, right? So we're all excited. We're like, wow, Christmas came early. We got, you know, a huge amount of toys. Uh, and then, of course, you know, because 2020, right? So the next day they email me and like, we made a mistake. We have to come get those toys back. <laughs> like, you got to be kidding me. So in any case, what happened was the truck had been packed backwards and the driver was, they're marked, but they weren't clearly marked. And so the driver dropped a different department's distribution off with us. And then he got to that department and obviously was short. So they had to come back and swap them out, and that's fine. We got what we asked for, and it was a disappointment, but, it, you know, we can't complain, right? right? We're getting these toys for our personnel's children, and then we can share with the community. And uh, So the 
so that would have been last week. So early this week, and come in, and uh, I'm talking to Mrs. Gregory Bolahadi. She's like, well, they called because they they were upset about the mix-up and they wanted to apologize. And so I talked to them, and they're sending us more toys. <laughs> you know, so Captain Kirchner is like our number one radar O'Reilly scrounger. Officer Gaynor is probably number two. And Mrs. Gregory Bellata is become is is coming up as a close third, <laughs> and so they dropped the the toys off, and uh, now it was again it was like oh my god Christmas came early because it was it was more than we had anticipated, uh, and Darren's original plan was to take after we distributed the ones to, for the children of our personnel was to wrap them up into the sheriff's department toys for Tots campaign, so he reaches out he's got we've got these extra toys we're gonna bring them up to you for toys for Tots and they basically said we've got more than enough, we're, there's you know we don't need them. So we had to pivot a little bit, and Darren and I have had some conversations. We've got some plans to, you know, do some distribution through some of our community partners. He's he's hustling to get them out there. Uh, and when he and I were talking, I said to him, "Like, do me a favor. Hold some, hold some in reserve. Keep some back. Not a lot, just you know, a small selection." And the reason I asked him to do that, and this is the you know story from my past that I said I was going to get to, is my very first. Christmas as a police officer. So I went, I went through a winter academy. We went to the academy in the fall, graduated in the spring, went to work, got through break-in and, and training. And so I was on solo patrol going into the end of, of 1996, and I was on midnights. And my very first Christmas as a police officer, my very first call out of roll call. So 12.15, Christmas morning, dispatched out of the station, was to an apartment on Tyler Street for a residential B and E. A woman had gone, had left her apartment and and gone with her mother to church services on Christmas Eve. Come home just after midnight to find that her apartment had been burglarized, and the the toys had been stolen. The presents under the tree had been stolen, um, and it's Christmas morning. There's nothing we can do, nothing right. we can do, um, and so. That stuck with me for a long time. When I was a shift commander, I used to make a, a call to friends of mine in retail and say, listen, if something happens on my shift on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, can I call you so that we can we can go like do some last-minute shopping? And people were very generous. It never happened again, but they were, they were willing to take my call, even on the holiday, in the event that something did happen. And so my, my thing to Darren was just keep, you know, keep a half dozen a dozen in reserve we'll give them to somebody you know next week if we don't need them but god forbid we have a burglary or a home invasion or a structure fire or some other emergency that we have to evacuate somebody in the next week we'll have these we'll have these right. and when we take that call um we'll have a plan for that so that's that's the first responder children's foundation story very excited about that one it's been a true. it's been a good year you know, um it, in a year that has been a horrific year these bright spots we have to hold on to and celebrate so before we um we i don't want to this to go by the wayside before we, want, we run out of time i don't know if you're going to bring this up so i'm going to force it on you a little bit <laughs> fight crime invest in kids is it an organization that has chosen you as a champion for kids award? 
I was not going to bring this up. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so that's not where I was going next, but since you brought it up. Well, well this is our last show before um, the break. We're both off, and um, yeah, this is... It's going to be publicized anyway. I know, but I had other things that I, I thought were more important to <laughs> maybe, talk about. Maybe but, just a quick quip. All right. So, Fight Crime Investing Kids is a. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up because I didn't pull it up. Uh, it's a it's an international organization, but primarily a national organization. And I it was interviewed about joining their national leadership council several months ago, and and there was a lot of mis perception and confusion around that interview they are not a service provider they, they don't they don't provide children's services they are a lobbying and advocacy group um, that's aligned with a, a much larger national policy group and their particular focus is working with law enforcement leaders police sheriffs prosecutors to develop messaging and lobbying about the importance of quality early childhood education and after school programs. Um, and so the, their emphasis, and they, they produced this report a couple of years ago that basically shows that the key hours for juvenile crime are between like 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. or 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. And if you can interrupt opportunities for bad behavior during those key hours, um, you can have a not only a dramatic impact on public safety and crime prevention, but you can increase positive outcomes for children. Yep. And so I'm at IACP, I think it was 10 years ago now, and I'm walking through the, the uh, trade show floor, and somebody's like, hey, Chief, can we talk to you for a minute? And I turn and I see these people, uh, and it's fight crime investing kids. And so they give me the elevator speech, the pitch speech. And many of our listeners and viewers probably don't know this, but it is... I, you know, board service and community service outside of the police department since as long as since I got out of college, right? I was recruited to join the board of directors at the at Girls Incorporated, the predecessor of the Gladys Allen Brigham Center. The summer I got out of college, by um, my classmate friend's mom, who was the director at the time, uh, Susan Lampshire, and so m much of the board service I've done in my adulthood has been with organizations, including the Berkshire United Way, that have a real strong focus on early childhood literacy. And this idea that if you get a child ready to read by a third grade reading level proficiently, you know, then they have a, a higher chance of success in school. And so it was, it was a no-brainer for me to sign up to advocate for fight crime investing kids. And for the last 10 years, nine years anyway, most of it has just been signing off on a couple of letters that they send to Congress you know, every couple of years or a couple times a year. It's not a heavy lift, but they, they experiment or they explore and research evidence-based programs that have been shown to have success and lob legislate for funds or lobby mm -hmm. for the funds. So head start and stuff like that. <clears throat> well, last year, excuse me, <clears throat> last early this year, it, it feels like last year's on, it was the last, it was the last trip I took pre pandemic uh, shutdown. They're trying to expand their footprint in New England. And so they asked if I would join them in Boston for legislative day, lobbying day at the state house for early childhood education. Uh, and so I met my point of contact counterpart, Michael Burke from Fight Crime Investing Kids and you know, went out to Boston. We had breakfast and we went and spent the day on the hill, state house meeting with um, 
different representatives of, of different committees and you know, ways and means and, and education, basically pitching this idea that from a, a police point of view, this is a place where early intervention and early education can keep communities safe. Uh, I got to speak in the Hall of Flags as part of the uh, as part of the presentation, so that was an honor. And obviously, you know, our delegation was there, so that was cool. Uh, meeting with them, introducing Mr. Burke to them, uh, meeting with some of uh, a, a friend of mine, Paul Tucker, who used to be the chief of police in Salem, who was retired and gone on to the legislature. Paul and I went to Israel together, so that was awesome to get a meeting with him in his state house office. Um, but yeah, so this year, because I've I've been doing some letter signing for them and speaking for them and joined their leadership council they recognized me so i got a cool little um glass plaque to put in my office and nice congratulations thanks again not not a, a heavy lift it's it's got more of an honorary thing i actually have to take a phone call on that later this afternoon um but yeah that's that's the setup for that so we're just about out of time and we have two more things that I wanted to cover before you interrupted me. <laughs> so the other cool thing that happened in the last couple of weeks when we talk about, you know, police related things that are not police related and the opportunity we had is the um, I'm going to mess this up. The Massachusetts Veterans Found. You can go look at the, the media release and, and the Facebook post on it. Foundation in Massachusetts that deals with the military and veterans partnered with the Patriots organization out at uh, Gillette Stadium in Patriots Place. They um, collected 3,000 kits, buckets, uh, waterproof five-gallon buckets that they filled with a coat and some masks and sanitizer and some snacks and some water. And the idea behind the project is they would take these 3,000 buckets to Gillette they would have cruiser convoy. They would distribute the 3,000 buckets to police agencies throughout the Commonwealth. And then the police agencies could take them and share them with intended homeless vets. And we didn't have a lot of time, a couple days notice. So uh, Mr. Munn, smart Gary, he wanted to be involved in this. So he volunteered to kind of coordinate the convoy. And we did a real quick, hasty survey. I talked to our veteran service officer, John Herrera. He figured, you know, he estimated that we thought there was about 20, potentially as many as 25 unhoused veterans in the county so we put in a request for uh, 25 of these kits um, and then we put together a small convoy included ppd sheffield pd berkshire county sheriff's office hinsdale was going to go but they couldn't go we didn't like i said we didn't have a lot of time so we didn't get to coordinate a lot of stuff lee didn't join us for the convoy but they sent the car out Sorry, uh, chief desantis went out uh, later in the day well it turns out when we got there, because the communication had been late and a lot of people couldn't get there, they actually had surplus kits. So uh, Mr. Mon, being another you know requisite scrounger, he basically said, fill the, fill the vehicles up. And so I think between everything that our convoy brought back and Lee brought back, we ended up with 52 kits, which is much more than we need for the unhoused veterans population in the county. But we just expanded it and said veterans. So we've been in touch with ServiceNet. We've been in touch with Soldier On. We've been in touch um, with Lewis House. We basically just said, you know, if you need these, if you have veterans who need these, please let us know. So Mr. Herrera took 15 buckets. Um, he's, he's been passing them out to veterans as they meet with him for services. He's delivered some to homes. Uh, Hinsdale uh, distributed a couple. I know Lee has distributed a couple. I think Adams and North Adams have asked for a couple. State police are also participating. So that's a cool feel-good story, too. Yeah. 
And then the last thing is it has it has been a tradition of mine for many years now that sometime during the last week before I start my holiday leave, um, we, we so we we provide our personnel with day planners. It's it's a tradition that we've done for a long. It, everybody keeps their calendar on their phones now, but this is something that we've done, and we always end up with more day planners ordered than we have actual personnel. Uh, on staff at the time so for several many years we've shared some of them with our counterparts on uh, in city hall or you know the last couple years in 100 north and so usually on my last duty day before i start my vacation um mrs gregory balada and i visit the other city offices and we we don't we distribute the day planners instead of just popping them in into our office mail we we hand deliver them wish everybody happy holidays merry christmas happy kwanzaa happy hanukkah and uh so last year, because of some stuff that I was doing with Officer Derby, I invested in a uh, light or bright blue police blue Santa suit. And we patched that thing up and uh, put badge tab on it. So last year we went, we put the Santa suit on and we delivered the calendars. And this year it happened that the day that was my last scheduled day in the office also was the first day of the North Pole calling program. So we, uh, so I suited up put on working uniform blue santa went and visited all of our friends and colleagues in the other city offices distributed the day planners and then packed up my office drove straight home jumped on the in 2020 passes for the phone jumped on my laptop to make some phone calls and uh started doing some north pole calling uh had that process documented while i was still in working uniform blue santa and uh called wednesday night called um eight households spoke to 10 children, uh, found out what they wanted for Christmas, asked them to continue to be good boys and girls, and uh, did, made, made one catch-up phone call last night. Did they want anything that we had in the the uh, stockpile? <laughs> I, I, so uh, between all, I don't actually know what's in the stockpile. I never got to actually see the contents of the pallets. I have the list. I'll have to go back and check. I did, yeah, I did a little bit. It's some nice stuff. I, I don't have, you know, children that age in my life right now, so I wasn't paying attention. Um, so what, a minute left, a minute and 10 seconds left. The weekend is upon us. I think uh, if the task force meeting doesn't go too long today, I think this is going to be my day to do my holiday shopping stroll. Um, so hopefully I'll get downtown today and uh, visit some local shops and shop local if not i'm gonna have to try to do it tomorrow um but there is so much going on there's berkshire uh berkshire theater's got stuff going on town players of pittsfield very virtual warba I, I can't pronounce his name wrb i'm sorry andy i don't know how to pronounce that uh, mission's got that going on music performances check out the cultural pittsfield or office of cultural development website and um newsletter be safe practice good you know, virus protection and hygiene, but but have hope and have some fun. Uh, this is the you know magical time of year. Don't let 2020 beat you down. Uh, Lieutenant, plans for the weekend? A lot of catch up. A lot of catch up. Still digging out. That sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Be well. Be happy. Be safe. <laughs>